0: If you have your Bible, come with me to the 121st Psalm. As you know, I'm a preacher who relies heavily on the prayer life. I read every day, throughout the day, as much as I can. I rely on the prayer life to find, hopefully, the right word in the season that you're in right now, because God always gives me the right words that I need for the season I'm in. And this came to me as I was in prayer. Psalm 121, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now we're going to take the time today to go through the eight verses that make up this psalm, but I want to stop there and announce to you the title that I gave to this message. Originally I said, where does my help come from? But I want to change the title. Where does your help come from? Either way, the application has got to be made by you to decide and to determine where's your help coming from. I still get amused at the billboard that's right here that I pass by when I'm coming down here to this building. It says, how do you really feel? That's a good question, it really is. Because we have a habit as human beings, and I think that it's proper to be polite there's a man that I know who, whenever you say, how you doing? He just say good, 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 good. Four, five, six times. More than enough. Good, 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 good. But how does he really feel? I don't think it's always good. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, sometimes people say, how's it going? Good. I smile. But it's not always really going good. I mean, according to God's plan, it is. And that's where we're going to be here today. But not everything is working out the way I want it to work out. How many of you can identify with that? It's not always working out the way you want it to work out. So I ask you this question relative to that. Who made the weather? Say it in a sing-songy, juvenile voice. Who made the weather? God made the weather. And yesterday was a beautiful day. It's not so bad now either. At the moment, then rain. More rain. We have a promise God is not going to flood the earth. So we know it's going to have its limitations. But using that as an example of our lives, things just don't always work out the way we want them. And so that sign that I passed by that actually amuses me is a good sign. It really is. How do you really feel? That's the question. How much are you being dominated by your emotions or your feelings? But you see, we don't live by our feelings and we don't live by our emotions. We live by faith in this word right here. Faith in the word of God. And the longer you go and the deeper you go with God, you will be able to hear God more clearly, but equally you'll be able to hear Satan more clearly with all of his opposition to this word, trying to negate it. He will play on your emotions, on your feelings. And as Martin Luther, the reformer wrote, he said that feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. I'll place my trust in the word of God. None else is worth believing. This is what we have here before us in Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now we're not going to doubt the integrity of David. that He meant this. And of course, it's recorded now in God's book, 40 authors that God used over a period of about 1,500 years to write this book with his 66 chapters. But not everything in David's life went according to how he wanted it to go in such his life. I don't know if there's anybody out there at all, Christian or not, that their life went exactly the way they wanted it all the time. So many disappointments so much temptation to be discouraged and to be giving up and giving in so much when it comes to the church for me i find a great amount of things that i hear and that i read to be a source of discouragement the things that come out of christian leaders mouths pastors preachers teachers singers They've had a bit of the limelight and a bit of the spotlight, and everybody says, Well, we're doing this for God and for His glory, but it's not always true. We know what we're supposed to say as pastors and preachers and singers. We know what we're supposed to say. But how do you really feel? What do you really believe? If you watch people close enough, you'll discover what they really believe, as I told you time and time again. Just watch their behavior, listen to their words. I use the weather because that's the one that we hear the most, you know. Christian people will say things like, "Oh, I can't believe another day of rain. The weather doesn't go always the way I want it to go either. But I always remind myself, who makes the rain? Who makes the sunshine? Who makes the weather? It's God. And so I've been able to discern that if I'm complaining against the weather, I'm complaining against God. And that's just a small example of the many things that you will find in your life as contradictions to what you purport to believe because that's what I have found in my life. What I purport to believe is sometimes contradicted by my behavior, by my words. And so I've been on the quest for many years now to make sure that what I believe, I actually believe, exhibiting it in behavior, tenacity, determination, and so forth, holiness. We are in a position right now, and the world always has been, yes, but we are in a position right now to ask the question, Where does your help come from? We put so much trust in people. As I've said this past week on the broadcast, you go to your doctor, and the assumption is that you trust your doctor. Now, why would you want to come out of the doctor's office complaining about your doctor? I don't get what he's saying. I don't understand what she meant. If you're not happy with your doctor, get another one, until you find a doctor you actually trust. You need a lawyer? Let me tell you something. I hope that none of you ever get in trouble. But when you're in trouble, don't look to the judge and the jury. Get a good lawyer, and they don't come cheap. I got a lawyer. Yeah, really? Well, you're going to jail. (laughs) So if that's what you want, I guess that is the cheap way to go. But no, it's not for me. I have learned that if, and I'm not in trouble, I just want to announce that, But I've learned that if I'm in trouble, I have got to get the best lawyer possible and they're going to make me pay. But it's better than the alternative, a conviction, jail term, whatever. All right. And we put trust in these people, in our doctors and in our lawyers and our pastors and others. But there is no man, no woman on the face of the earth that deserves 100% of your trust. I look toward the hills. From whence cometh my help? Now, we see a period here, right? And some have stated, and I believe there is a valid point, that the translators should have put in a question mark. But I'm not going to go and examine the translators as to why they put a period, because there is alternatives to why it reads the way it reads. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? period. It seems to say that the help is coming from the hills. But you see, verse two corrects it. No, he says, my help cometh from the Lord who made the hills. No, it wasn't like who made the hills. It was like the Lord made the hills. I will trust in the one who made that hill. I will trust in the one who made the fruits and vegetables to grow and so on. God cannot fail. This has been, for me, the great insight into this book, that keeps me steady under some severe disappointments and some severe trials throughout the years, temptations as well. Then we sang just a little while ago, Amazing Grace. It's almost a guarantee whenever I leave a song, that's going to be in there. I think it is one of the greatest songs ever written in Christian history. And so the song we know says, through many dangers, toils, snares, I have already come. But His grace has brought me safe through all those dangers, toils, and snares. His grace has brought me safe thus far. And His grace will lead me home. If you are, and many of you are here, the great majority of you are, experienced in walking with the Lord, you're experienced Christians. You know that there's been many dangers. Diagnosis from the doctor many toils. pastor gets up every week says, I expect everybody to get involved. Use your talents. Give me a break. <laughs> but you show up anyway and you toil. Then you go to your job. Then you go to your family. And a lot of snares. We're snared by our own sin, snared by the words of Satan who leads us astray temporarily. But the grace of God, which is greater than our sin and greater than our little understanding of this great mighty God, keeps leading us and guiding us and eventually he will lead us home see that's a future statement what john newton was saying there is that i've experienced the grace of god in dangers and toils and snares and all types of things and he's brought me safe thus far we're still standing we're still here think of your christian life as a shield and it's all pitted and dented or let me say it's dented and your sword is pitted and your helmet's got a few dents in it and you've got some scars, but you're still on the battlefield and you're still standing. And the good news is, as the Spirit of God holds you up, you will be standing in the end, Ephesians 6, and having done all, you'll still be standing. That is what God does for those that put their trust in him and Let me see if I can make this as clear as possible. I am not saying don't trust your doctor. I'm saying just the opposite. Find a doctor you do trust. A lawyer. And it's really, truly unfortunate, and if you think about this, that so many people would just pick a church based on so many considerations, but not the main consideration is the guy who's in charge. You have to have a pastor you can trust. And then we go down with integrity and so on. Someone who actually is an expert in the Bible and not in Fortune 500 ways to become successful in life. That you can get from anybody. And so you wanna pick, when it comes to human beings, the best option that you have. I have a young person and she's been dating some guys. And so I I try to give her, in fact, she's so young. She's young enough to be my granddaughter, not my daughter. And I give her advice about, first, know who you are. Then you'll know who you should be with. You know, you match up with the appropriate life partner, spouse. You be careful, this is a big choice that you're going to make in life. But all of these things, human beings, being what they are, being what we are, not any human being deserves the trust that we can find in God alone. I will lift up my eyes towards the hills. So I'm going to put it in the question mark now. From whence cometh my help? You see, in this Old Testament, we realized that there was gods of the hills and gods of the valleys, as we have today in the world. And it may be a reference to that, perhaps. I'll lift up my eyes towards the hill. Is the God of Israel a God of the hills, or is he a God of the valley? The God of Israel, the God of the church of Jesus Christ, is the creator of heaven and earth. He made your body. He understands it. He knows how to heal it. I tell you that I truly believe That we, among all the needs that we have in Christ right now, in other words, we need to really pursue Jehovah. I will be what I will be. Everything and anything that we could need is found in God. But now there are so many needs. I'm running into people just recently. I remember this is summertime. And they're coming down with sicknesses that usually belong to the winter Another young woman that I know just got violently sick and I never knew what became of her and then finally asked her and she said, well, I was in the hospital. I said, why didn't you tell me? I would have prayed more. I was praying anyway. We need Jesus the healer. We need Jesus who touches our bodies and heals the sick and delivers the oppressed. I'm talking to people that I know that never, well, reasonably speaking, never get sick. They're starting to get sick. Why? The stress, the pressures of life. Is there anybody here that can say, I don't feel any pressure. Anybody? Huh? Because if that's the case, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Here, there's something wrong. You're not feeling the pressure. You're not feeling the stress. You're not being tempted. Satan's not knocking on your door twice a day. You get rid of him the first time, he comes back again. (laughs) No, of course not. We're all feeling this pressure. And we're all feeling this stress. But we're not going to look to the hills of government. And we're not going to look to the hills of the mind of man. And the wisdom of men. We're going to look higher. And we're going to look to the Lord. Look at this here. If you have the King James Version. Which we use here. I've told you over the years. This is one of the advantages of our English translation. In the King James Bible. The translators. Whenever they came across the word Jehovah. Yad He vav In Hebrew. They capitalized it. They put it in all caps. L-O-R-D. That's what your Bible says. If you're reading King James Bible. And when it's Adonai. It's a lowercase L-O-R-D. So you know. The Hebrew text is saying Adonai, the Hebrew text is saying Jehovah. My help comes from Jehovah. Who is Jehovah? He's the self existent one. He's never been born and he's never going to die. He always was and he always will be. And in theological terms, the expression used to describe God is that he is simple. What does that mean? It means that whatever attribute you are accenting or thinking about, his omnipresence, his omniscience, and his benevolence, and so on, he's all of these things at once. That's the simplicity of God. God is not complex the way we think of complexity. God is simple. He's merciful, and he's to be feared. Behold, the apostle Paul writes, Behold the goodness and the severity of God at the same time. Everything about God that we know from reading the Bible, observing him in nature and so on. He is this all the time at once. And I said this to my wife just recently. There are so many needs. We need Jesus in all of his glory. Again, to touch the body, to touch the mind, to relieve us of our anxieties and our depressions and our oppressions. And we're not going to look at the hill of government, Capitol Hill. We're not going to be praying, Our Father, thou art in Washington. Never was there. Or here in Albany, wherever. Our Father who art in heaven and who created the heaven and the heavens of heavens. Our Father who sits on the throne, who was never placed on the throne, nor will he ever be displaced from his throne. God's kingdom is established in the heavens and it's ruling over all things. Ah this is where the answer is the lord so you have to pursue him diligently when you look at the philosophies of the world they have a type of casual way of just announcing like hey good things happen and you know if you just and i see this quite often in my readings you know quotes from different people some of them are good and some of them i shake my head because i don't picture them as being deep people and they don't make sense to me in any case it's just take breaths and Things come to you. And yet, that's not what we see in the scriptures. What we see in the scriptures, Old and New Testament, is God says, seek me diligently. Seek me with all your heart. Use your intellect. Use the gifts and talents that I've given to you. Use every ounce of your strength to find me. It's quite a difference from the philosophy of most religions, not all, but most religions in the world. We are not going to look to the hill of things made by man, but to the Lord, who is the one who made the heaven and the earth. So where does your help come from? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been wronged by an expert in some field? Have you ever been given <laughs> bad advice? I knew a couple once ones who were having trouble in their marriage. They went to a counselor. The counselor listened to them speak, speak, speak. Come back next week. A day or so later, the counselor is calling up the woman, asking her for a date. That's not typical of what happens with counselors even secular ones, but I would say that's bad advice. Well, she was clever enough to pick up on it and they dismissed themselves from this person's presence. If you could just imagine the things that I hear on a weekly basis, and I shake my head. We need people. We need experts in their field. We need these surgeons and doctors and lawyers and pastors and others. But no one should put 100% confidence in any man or any woman, no how wise they are, because God is wiser still. There's no end of His wisdom, you know, we we may seem simple to some people when we go to prayer. But let me tell you something: things happen when you pray. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We, in a manner of speaking, connect with God. We're praying; God changes things. So simple, too simple for the sophisticate, too simple for the academician, but not for the one who knows the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. I cried in my distress, the psalmist says. And the Lord heard me, and he delivered me. It's not sophisticated, perhaps. Not something that's going to be on your resume to get into Harvard. Who sent you here? God. I doubt that God would send you there anyway, but. The simplicity of living in the Lord and trusting in him. And making your appeal to God. God heal me, as Jeremiah did say. Heal me, Lord, and I shall be healed. Deliver me, and I will be delivered, for thou art my praise. Now, Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Jesus said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. When we look around here today and count more than two or three. That's for certain. I can't say I understand it, and I won't even go out to say that I feel it as a sensual thing, but I believe it. Jesus is walking up and down the aisles right now looking for those whose hearts are perfect toward him to touch them and to heal them. Let me say this a little further about a medical situation. When, and maybe correctly so, rightly so, the doctor says this is impossible. Then you go to the Lord and you remember that he said with God nothing is impossible. Nothing because he's God. Now, we trust people. And again, it's not wrong to trust these people that we have in our lives. But they're not always right. And mostly, we have to know the scriptures. Because if what they're saying is contradicting this principle here, then we must push this aside. And say again, as Jesus said, What is impossible for man, and that is impossible for man, is not impossible with God. That's right. It's not impossible with God. Now, don't look to the hills. There's no help coming from the hills. Don't look to the left and don't look to the right. They're limited in what they can do. Here's here's some good news for you. The wicked are limited in what they can do. Psalm 37, he says, I saw the wicked spreading themselves as a green bay tree. And then all of a sudden, they were cut down and they were not. They're limited. But here's something else you need to know. Those that want to do right are also limited. But God is not limited. God himself is not limited. And some of you know this. You lose your job course now it's not a big deal you'll make more money staying home (laughs) something to consider maybe I should stay home yeah but ordinarily people that lose their job are distressed and whenever I speak to and I've spoken to some of you I said then we believe God for a better one you know better pay better hours and all of that see this is how I believe this is how I look at things you're gonna hit me once I'll hit you twice hit me twice I hit you three times so don't hit me because I'm not going backward, I'm going forward. And when you're up against it, and some of you are up against it today, right? You're up against it, go forward. And believe God not only to change the situation, but to make it better than it's ever been before. Amen. We are human beings and we're prone to these weaknesses. Weaknesses of thinking and weaknesses of the body and weaknesses of the nervous system and so forth. Weaknesses to sin. But God is able to make us strong. read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and near to the end, the book says, the Bible says that they were made strong out of weakness. Now, that's, that's a great truth. They didn't start out strong. They started out weak and became strong through faith in Christ. How many of you came to Christ weak, broken? I want to say, didn't we all? Weak, broken, at the end of your rope, some of you, or some of us. And Christ says, in essence... And in so many words, come to me and I will make you strong. If you watch my daily broadcast on YouTube, I have at least one, maybe two that I did. And I'll be covering that topic again on mental toughness. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to develop mental toughness. But I will submit this to you. If you will diligently search for the Lord in your adversities, you're going to have them. And in your obstacles, you're going to have them. Everybody does. And in your disappointments, and in your temptations to discouragement, and in your depressions, God will use them to make you stronger. I just said to those of you who do watch on a daily basis, for those who have nervous symptoms, and I discovered this principle many, many decades ago, I use it as a personal trainer. So, in other words, if I'm feeling nervous, this is my personal trainer saying, you want to be nervous? And I said, no, no. Then you do what you have to do, and that means reciting scripture, going forward, putting on the shirt and tie, putting on the jacket, whatever it means, taking the step forward. And it's an advantage. Did you ever see your adversity as an advantage? And it is, because if adversity doesn't come and these trials don't come, you'll never get strong. You have to get strong through stress. And by the way, stress is very detrimental for your health, for your life, if it becomes distress. But stress is actually something that's obviously necessary for life. And your problems and your obstacles and your stress, if handled correctly, will make you stronger. Stronger than you could have been without the obstacles. Now, I want you to make sure you take that home with you. If you forget some other the things that I've said, well, review the tape. But don't forget that one. Your current situation, though unpleasant and though we prefer not to have it, will make you stronger if you handle it correctly. How do you get stronger physically? You've got to go and do the work. You've got to start out here, and then, well, we'll say a week later, add a little bit more weight. A week later, a little bit more weight. Before you know it, a year, two, three, four, five goes by, you're much stronger than you were. But if you're just going like this, yeah, all right, that's what you want to do, fine, but get that out of your mouth that I'm going to get stronger, because you're not. And you will be very disappointed in the results. I have a friend of mine who was, uh, I don't know if he still is, but he was very disappointed in the results he was getting from his workout routine. And I shared with him, I said, the, the problem is you're not working hard enough. He wasn't the type of person that would complain about it. He just, what do I do? And I would share with him and show him. If you wanna get stronger physically, you gotta work harder. If you wanna get strong mentally, you gotta push yourself. Read a little bit more. Some of you say, well, I'm not good at reading. Start. You say, I read very slow. Okay. Read slow, but read if you want your mind to be strengthened, your intellect, I should say. You see, all this has to do with mental toughness and all this has to do with looking to the Lord who makes us strong. Look at verse three. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. If you mean business with God, he means business with you and you will not be moved. The outcome is already predetermined. God tells us here, I'm in the book of the Revelation here, New Testament, Old Testament tells us how it's going to turn out. Now we're on the winning side, but he's not going to suffer you to be moved. Or let me add this word, removed. But you say, oh, pastor, I came in today with such a heavy heart. I understand how many times I've stood up in this pulpit with a heavy heart. You'll never know because I'm not going to sit here or stand here and give you all this type of heaviness. My job is to be a leader. So I've got to suck it up with a heavy heart and preach the gospel. And you know what? Every single time I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that you're glad. And you're glad that I'm glad. And I'm even more glad that he's glad. And back and forth. (laughs) Because that's how it works. What a week after week if I came here with a heavy heart and said, Oh, you don't know how tough I have it. Well, Pastor, I have a tough You don't have it, you know. This is not a leader. You need a leader that's, no matter what they're going through, is going to put their shoes on, tie them, suit, whatever. Here it's a suit and tie for me. And go forward. And you need to do the same thing in your life. You need to go forward. You need to get up. You need to keep going. Because God is not going to allow your foot to be moved. Satan will say, oh, yes. And he'll give you an example of a Christian that you knew and bad things that happened to them and look at him and you'll say yeah and then you look over here and he says and look at this one remember him yeah then that gets in your head so what you say in response is yeah i remember him i remember him i remember her but that will not be me it Will not be me and god cannot lie so when you look in this here and you look to the lord for your strength remind yourself that he will not suffer allow your foot to be moved or to be removed look again he that keepeth thee will not slumber well this is exactly what we find in jesus when he's on the boat and to this day i still wonder was he really sleeping slumbering or was he playing them big big storm big storm we have many big storms all over the world right now developing wars rumors of wars and plagues and everything you know and here's Jesus. And the disciples are not only alarmed, mostly, they're irritated. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? I think he was playing them myself as he plays us once in a while. And Peace be still. Man, that's an attention getter. These are fishermen. Well, a couple of them were fishermen. And then he says this, and I always found some of the statements of Jesus are really thought-provoking. Oh, ye of little faith. Have you ever been on a boat and when it's really rough? Right, I was not in the Navy, and there's a good reason why I was not in the Navy, is because I get terribly seasick. I'm on a couple of charter boats in my life, maybe three, and every time we went out, it was rough, toss, toss. Have you ever been seasick? It's like the worst non fatal illness you can get in your life. <laughs> the last time I went, and that's like 40 years ago, no, 30 something years ago. We're on this little vessel, and it's being tossed to and fro. And, you know, people are walking like this on the port side and on the starboard side, jumping. Some guy's eating a salami. And I'm like, you know, Ralph. And I went to the mate, and in a very feeble voice from suffering terribly, I said to him, I know it's not possible, but can you talk to the captain and ask him to turn this ship around? He's like, okay. And then at the end of it, he gives me a ticket. Here's for a free trip on the vessel again. I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) I was still seasick walking on the land. I mean it. I was sick for like a day. Ah. And so I can sympathize with these disciples. They're not seasick, but they're frightened. And Jesus says, you have little faith in a mighty God who made the ocean, who made what's in the ocean, who made what's above the ocean. And he says he will not suffer your foot to be moved, and he's not going to fall asleep on you. Look at the next verse. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade. I skipped to verse 5. Well, let's read verse 4. It's kind of a repeat. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. Who is your keeper? The The Lord. The Lord is your keeper. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Not any Lord, not any God. This God, the one true God that America once had. And America desperately needs again desperately needs again he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep the Lord is thy keeper now here we see a reference to the surroundings of David specifically in the Middle East but the desert we'll see in verse 6 the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand Thomas Jonathan Jackson most popularly known as Stonewall Jackson shot by his own men obviously by mistake at night they had to amputate his left arm he caught pneumonia after the wound was actually doing better the amputation went well but then he caught pneumonia and his dying words were these let us cross over to the other side of course he's on laudanum and he's a bit delirious let us cross over the river and rest in the shade of the tree you know on that day when God calls you home man what a day that's going to be what a day that's going to be well we're resting in the eternal shade of the eternal God and we're able to say as the apostle Paul wrote I am persuaded that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us not worthy to be compared not worthy to be compared why because the Lord is my shepherd emphasize that Psalm 23:1 The Lord is not just a shepherd, he is for some, but he's my shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me to lie down. You know, there's a pastor who once wrote a book called God's Psychiatry, and he puts in there this 23rd Psalm, the Our Father. And in that verse there, he wrote something interesting I never forgot. He emphasized the word makes me. Now, some of you have young children. How many of them will say to your mom, it's bedtime. You know, they're five years old and they're running all over the place, hanging on things, jumping. And you say, It's bedtime. Ah. And so you make them to lie down. I don't even know if I should tell this story. I had a couple of kids, and two of them were just really wild. I mean, when they were young. When their mother <laughs> walked out the door, any demon that was in the area possessed them. <laughs> screaming and crying, la, la. and you start to like lose your mind, losing my mind. So I say to one, and there was two of them, two of them, and it's bedtime, la. and I have to take him in a bear hug, and I lay flat on my back and go like this, and then they're smashing the heads. It was like a, a scene from um, The Exorcist. And <laughs> Banging the head. Wah, 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 wah. So I to say, she go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And finally just <laughs> He maketh me to lie down. Now at this stage of life, I look forward to lying down. <laughs> I'm in bed usually by nine. I'm not asleep. That's my pre-go-to-sleep routine. Man, I say, wow, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> When I was young, I can remember distinctly, especially color TV just came out, Batman was on. Remember that? Well, I did something that made my father angry. He says, you're not watching Batman, you're going to bed. I don't want to go to bed. Well, my father was no debate. Go to bed. So here was the TV living room. He sat down. I don't know why he was watching Batman, but he was. I just snuck up on those two steps there and sat in the carpet and just kind of peeked around. So he thinks I'm in bed. I wasn't. And I got to watch Batman, which was a blessing. (laughs) See, God took care of me even when I was a kid. But when your parents, when you that are young here and you have young children, man, you say, I'm making you. You don't say it, but I'm making you to lie down. And it's a double blessing. The kids get the rest they need and you get the rest you need. But think about Psalm 23 and think about Christ at times makes you to stop. He puts obstacles in your way, and you say, oh, you're frustrated because you've got to get this thing done. And we're running out of time. And God knows, as a good parent, yeah, our father, he knows to slow you down. And some obstacles are designed to just slow you down. And he makes you lie down in green pastures. And what does he do? He restores your soul. The sun, verse 6, the sun shall not smite thee by day. Now, here's where we see a desert scene nor the moon by night. Now, I've not actually ever been in the desert, but I do understand that the sun is oppressive in the day, and then at night it gets cold. A real dichotomy. Super hot, super cold, nothing in between. And yet here, using that which David can see from nature, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. With all the things that we're facing, and there's so many, One of them is we hear about overpopulation and what's going to happen, the prognosticators that are good in their fields, environmentalists and so on. It may be hard to put yourself in this position of faith, but whatever is going to disturb and perhaps destroy other people will not disturb you. And I point to, once again, Egypt. Of all the plagues that hit Egypt, not one of them hit the city of Goshen. Everything went around them. Why is that? Because that's where God's people were. Not one of them, not the death of the firstborn, not the lice, not the rivers that turned blood, the frogs, none of it hit Goshen. Because God is able to separate people that are this close and take one and not the other. Bless one and not the other. Spare one and not the other. God is able to do that, and God is willing to do that if we will diligently seek him. He that cannot be seen, he's willing to come and deliver us, and more than that, To pour out his blessings and promises. One of my prayers before I came here for you. Oh God, let the people's hearts be refreshed. I know what you're going through. I've received, I'm on an email list and here's a minister whose daughter was raped. I immediately sent back a reply, I am praying. Then later on that night I sent back another reply, I am continuing to pray. The next morning I sent back another one because I'm trying to imagine what it's like. You're in ministry, it's having some rough periods in ministry right now. What is he, the wife, and what especially is the daughter going through right now? You see, Satan wants to attack you. We can support one another by our prayer and by our encouraging words and by the fact that we're just together. There's so many needs in the world, but here it says, The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Because God made the sun, God made the moon, God made everything. And he will not permit it to touch you. Look at verse 7. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Now at the expense of redundancy and being juvenile, I have asked you in times past, what does all mean in Hebrew? Well, you don't know Hebrew. What do you think it means in Hebrew? So we go to the Greek and it says, you know, my God shall supply all of your needs. What would you guess be me it means in Greek? What do you know of English? All. Oh. Oh. All our needs. Oh, but you say. Oh. Oh. No, you're supposed to speak yet. Wait a minute. <laughs> you say, but pastor, I've been praying for months and years and it hasn't come. There's a delay in the delivery. That's all. Do you order things online? No, I do. Yeah. And it's supposed to come on Friday. And it says, uh, sorry, there's been a delay. It says, but it's going to come Saturday. And I have trust in them. And they're men and women and people i have trust in the company that i deal with and lo and behold it was a day late and i had this happen to me yesterday but there it is on the porch and then i get the announcement your package has been delivered but i actually believed that it would the problem with many professing christians they pray but they don't really believe it's coming and god says okay i have a rule If you are praying and believing, you will be receiving. But if you're praying and just uttering words and words and words and words, trying to what? Get God's attention? He's already listening. Impress God? Don't try that. He says, believe and don't waver. And it will arrive. But maybe not on your time schedule. And so what you do is you say, Lord, I thank you. It's coming. I think you're late. But you know best. And it's coming. And I shall receive it. This is very important when it comes to our healing. I've got things I'm praying for, for myself. And then I tell you again, my phrase is, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by my eyes. I'm not moved by my senses. I'm only moved by what I believe in God. I believe you. And later not, there it is on the porch. The thing that you prayed for. But you be sure about this. The scriptures are very clear about wavering. I believe you will. Well, maybe not. I believe it will. Well, I guess God already says, read the book of James, the first chapter. He says, if you waver, don't think that you should receive anything of the Lord. So this is why we have so many professing Christians that I prayed. And nothing happened. You prayed and you wavered. You vacillated like uh, the grandfather clock. Tick, tock, tick, tock. God says, no, you stay right in the middle and believe me. God tested all of these patriarchs. God tests all of his people. But in the end, God who cannot lie will bring you the promise that he has written in this book. He shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. That's the inner you. That's the place where if there's any movement going on, it's going to be in here. That's the place where the emotions try to play and the feelings try to play against the soul. And that's where the mind is tempted to vacillate. But here it says as you seek the Lord, he will preserve your soul. I know some of you have nice gardens. You actually preserve the things that you have grown. And some of you give some to the pastor, but not enough of you do. (laughs) And then you know how I eat, so stop being cheap. Well, it's a process, but then you go in months later when the winter's there, and you pull out, well, let's say jam, and you pull it out or your tomato sauce, or whatever you have, it's been preserved. It's not going anywhere. And guess what? Here, we hold hands with God. and We walk just like, well, now my grandchildren, the little ones, you know, you hold their hand. Well, yeah. The mother or the father may say, uh, they call me Pop. Uh, Pop, you got his hand? Yeah. But it depends on how we look at it. The child says, I'm holding Pop's hand. And Pop just smiles and says, I'm holding your hand. (laughs) The church will not perish. The Bible's an anvil that has worn out many hammers because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will. And the good news is that he's not talking about cathedrals or whatever ornate structures that men build. He's talking about you. The called out ones, I will build my people and nothing will prevail against them. I will preserve them. Verse 8, we finish. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I want to suggest to you, when you know the Lord is speaking to you during a service reading your Bible, whatever. You make a decision right then and there. I think I've told you, any habit I've ever started, I start immediately. Immediately. Doesn't matter what it is, I start right then, right there. When it comes to the Lord, we read the scripture in the New Testament, in Hebrews, today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time to seek God with all of the heart, all of the soul, all of the mind, all of the strength. It's to be full in. Now, This morning, you're observing me here with my guitar. Week later, I'm on the drums. Then I may be over here. Who knows where I'm gonna be? It's like, where's Waldo? And if I had cymbals, I guess I could get them. I could do this, and the scrub board and all that stuff. You've seen people do that? I'm not a glory hound. I'm just a guy who's full in. And I want you to be full in, full in, all the way. Nothing held in reserve. You will never outspend God. You will never run out of energy. Oh, sure. You're tired. But in weakness, his strength is made perfect. As a matter of fact, we're taught in the scriptures to look around and how not many mighty and not many noble are called. They're off doing their own thing. But us here, many of you who raised your hands before and shook your head. When God called you, you were in your weakness. You were in the moment of despair. It looked black and ominous. And you had Job's friends there to accent that. Even Job's wife. What well, you talking about an unhealthy marriage? Job's wife said, I'm paraphrasing, you will curse God and die. And his three friends were saying, you're yeah, obviously a sinner. Oh, you ever have a bad day? I mean, his friends are coming against him and his wife and everything is going wrong. But Job said, though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust in him. Even if he kills me, I'm still going to go down trusting in the Lord. Does that statement describe you? And I'm telling you, it better. Because it's getting rough out here. And it's going to get rougher. But God will preserve you. God will keep filling you with strength. God will never lie. God will never let you down. No matter how down you may feel at the moment, God will never let you down. People, yes. I've let people down, not intentionally, but it happens. But not God. I've never been disappointed by God. Not once. Not ever. Never. God cannot lie. God cannot fail. And he's not going to fail us in the future. You believe that? I lift up my eyes toward the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. How about you? Let's go before the Lord this morning in prayer. Oh, God, today we bless your name and we praise your name. We have members of your body here that attended this local fellowship that are sick today and in pain. Couldn't make it to the service and heal them, strengthen them, fill them and do it speedily, God, please. Do it speedily. Or as Matthew records in his gospel, immediately. Oh, God, we ask you today to touch those, our brothers and sisters, who need your help, who need your encouragement, who need your strength. Fill today, God, with your spirit. Deliver from the oppressor, Satan. Deliver from the oppressions of our own sins. And free us, O oh God. We bless you. We praise you. I want you, while your head is bowed, your eyes are closed, just right there. You know, in the Bible, we have a thing called the altar. We have here, at least periodically, something we call an altar call. But an altar call, well, an altar, in the Bible, always has something die on it. Animals. On the cross, of which we are called to carry and live on, is the death. Something has to die in order for the rest of you, that part of you, to live. For Christ to live, you have to die. But then you're animated by the Spirit of God. So what is it today that you need to lay down? What is it today that troubles you? Loneliness, depression, hatred, bitterness. What is it today that's actually taking away your peace? Put it on the altar. Get out your knife. Plunge it through that thing. Say to yourself, I will not be bitter. I will not be resentful. I will not be filled with hatred. I will not be filled with anger. I will not be filled and just go on and on and on. I will not be an adulterer. I will not be, you know, just take those things. and Take your knife and go right through it. Let it die. Watch it die. Then say this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a hope. Are you putting something on the altar right now? If you are, it has to die. And then you're going to find like a cancer the thing that troubled you maybe the sin that you were always attracted to and indulged you're going to say all the time this was taking away from my life father we put things on the altar today i know what i've put on the altar many many times and still do over and over again and here we are offering a sacrifice of things that trouble us and burden us and when we leave god in our imagination Help us to see that we left it there at 46 Market Street. Don't take it home. Don't take it inside of us anymore. Leave it behind. God, today, I am confident that you are strengthening your people and strengthening your church. And you are filling, as I've asked you to do before I came here, filling people with your Holy Spirit and turning their whole point of view to the proper one. God is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We praise your name we bless your name. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap offering. Oh, we bless your name, O oh God. We bless you and we praise you. Hallelujah. And so God, we thank you and we bless you. This is the day that you have made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, touch all of my friends as they go home or wherever they're going. Bless their day. Let them take you with them and give them joy unspeakable and full of glory. And God, I just give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor today. In Jesus' mighty name, can we all say amen nice and loud? Amen. Amen. Amen.